Welcome to the Wonders of Thedas podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I'm Leona. Sorry, I'm never sure whether to introduce you or not. I'm never I'm never sure if you're going to or not, so <laughs> I wait a second, okay. and if you don't, I get it. I think so. that's good. I think that'll work. Uh, one day we'll get it right. Yes, we won't even have to think <laughs> about it. We'll just know. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, no Jessica with us today. She is feeling the burn on her grad work, so she is going to take this time, take this episode off, uh, and she'll be back with us probably next time. Yay! We hope that you all can bear with us uh, while Jessica is working her hardest. Uh, but it's definitely going to be worth it. She's doing a lot of good stuff, and she's going to be getting into some good work when she's done with her master's and moving on to that PhD. Excellent. Well, more power to her. Mm-hmm. How are you, Leona? Um, doing all right. Good. No complaints. <clears throat> I may have to clear my throat or cough a little bit during this uh, because I, I had to take a day off from work because of flu-like symptoms. Those went away quick, Ooh. but now I've just got this cough that won't leave. Ew. Gross. Just that light tickling in the back of your throat that makes you want to... Oh, I yeah. hate that. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much you cough and clear your throat, it just won't go away. Oh. No matter how much you cough up, it always seems... There always seems to be yeah. a little more... Blech. Ugh. Anyway, uh, great radio that we're that we're creating here. Uh, why don't... This is gonna be gross and nasty, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't you know that this was a coughing ASMR podcast? <laughs> All right, so uh, this episode is a specialty topic, and we of course had our poll. It was uh, a bit of a runaway. Uh, this one we didn't get too many votes on, but I think it's probably because my. Uh, schedule for getting updates out has been rather lackluster as of late we're uh we're working on some special stuff so we might be a little distracted we're ve- i like special stuff we are very excited to share the special stuff when it's uh when it's all set up <coughs> special stuff needs a lot of special editing <laughs> had to do a bit of special re-recording there's lots of special going on mm-hmm. we think it's very special and we hope that you folks do too uh, folks who've been following our Patreon probably have gotten some wind of it already. You might have sent a photo or two. Mm-hmm. All right. So this episode is going to be about being a good player. And kind of like the episode about being a good GM that we did a while ago, it's going to be less about uh, techniques uh, and a bit more about table etiquette. <coughs> a bit more about uh, fulfilling the social contract, as it were. Mm. We all hopefully have some of those for the tables, uh, even if you don't sign them and uh, print have the GM doesn't print them out and sign them. Although I know that there are some GMs who do that. Mm-hmm. All right. First, we're going to start with our D20 Radio shout out. This episode, we are going to support those who will teach you what you can't unlearn. The Miskatonic University Podcast. This podcast covers the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game by Chaosium. They cover just about everything that an investigator or a keeper would need. 
and they just released their 169th episode about making good bad guys. Good lord, that's a lot of episodes. Yeah, no kidding, right? I had to. I good I, on them, right? <coughs> I think uh, I think they go weekly, actually, uh, or nice. or, or semi weekly, sometimes bi weekly. It seems, but the, it seems like they're, they're they've got a pretty solid release schedule. That's like three years at least worth of episodes. Right, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's excellent. So join Keeper John, Keeper Murph, and Keeper Chad, and Keeper Dan as they discuss how to tangle with the creatures from beyond our small world and maybe get out in one piece. They have merchandise. They can be followed on Facebook and Twitter, and you can catch their show on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, We got no news this week in Thetis. (coughs) Goodness gracious. Uh, Faces the Thetis is out. We'll be keeping our ears to the ground for any future stuff. Uh, and of course, you'll be getting news about uh, our podcast uh, eventually growing and morphing in the future, and then we'll be talking about all kinds of books. Let's see. So, uh, I suppose in the meantime, why don't we go ahead and consult our codex? You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. We've got a nice little selection here. Uh, first, uh, we're going to start with Jamie, who sent uh, who sent this question to and many more th- to us through our email. So we're chipping away. Thank you, Jamie, for the question. And uh, I like this one. Uh, Jamie asks how yeah. Uh, Jamie asks how might one involve ghasts in an adventure. They were in the mark of the Assassin DLC, but not much outside of it. Perhaps goblins from the Fantasy Age Bestiary. I think that that's fair. Yeah. <coughs> they were... I mean... That's kind yeah, of what they ahead. were. Yeah, I mean, if it works for your table, go for it. Mm-hmm. Would not need a lot of... Uh, would not need a lot of adjustment on the goblin stat block. That's a pretty solid choice. Yeah. I just have to move a couple of things over and give them a magic stat. And, uh... If you've got a fancy, uh, what is it? Of uh, the magical ones are like called the Velgastrials, I think. Yes, they. Some, yeah, they had a nice flowery name, and I liked it. Yeah, <coughs> Vel, yeah, Velgastrial. Mm-hmm. If that's how you pronounce it, <laughs> I, I, I'm. I think that guessing. Was it. I mean, it's Orlesian. Who the hell knows? Right, exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but for those of you who don't know, uh, guests, uh, pretty much just appeared in the Mark of the Assassin DLC. They were these tiny, green, uh, chittery, chattery, monster-like things that seemed pretty goblin in nature. Um, and they worked, and say they worked in large numbers, and they occasionally had some, uh, magical assistance from, uh, a couple of their number who were able to cast spells. I don't really remember what the mages did. Something about, like, summoning totems or, like, summoning... Or, uh, or maybe like, almost, like, like raising corpses to fight you? Yeah. A corp... Like, yeah. They would summon them and... Yeah, that was basically what they did. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, let's see. I don't know if they actually show up anywhere outside of uh, those wyvern hunting grounds, but... I, I think... I remember maybe Blackwall mentioning them in, like, background banter. Okay. Once or twice, but I think that was it. Okay. 
Would be not terribly surprised to see them make a triumphant return in Dragon Age 4. I mean, maybe. That'd be cool. Maybe. <laughs> it would be. Maybe they're a more common threat into Winter. Well, if they're raising corpses, you know, mm. Navara to Venter would be the place to do it, that, I guess. There's a lot of corpses to do it with there, I suppose. Right. Uh, so, let's see, as for involving them in an adventure, you're prob- they don't seem like very complicated creatures, so they'd probably just be an obstacle. Yeah. Probably just be monsters that get in the way. Maybe, uh... Uh, maybe a particularly large nest of them happens to be uh, in the way of the player characters and they have to figure out how to either get around them or or scare them off. Or murder them. Or murder them. That is always an option, I suppose. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jamie, thank you for the question. Hope that helps. Uh, next question comes from our good friend, Drunkle Grog, through our Facebook. How's it going, Drunkle Grog? Hey, Drunkle Grog. Uh, your question, which I really like, and is going to become surprisingly relevant very soon, uh, is, how do you believe actual play podcasts have affected the gaming community, positive and negative? Background, number one, Critical Role just got, just got around 8 million on a Kickstarter. I th- in like a day. Yeah, that was, it was, it was wild. It was insane. Incredible. I was sitting there watching it, I was watching the numbers just tick up and up and up. It's Just without stopping. Right. It's honestly it kind of amazing to know that role-playing games mean that much to those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, you guys are keeping a secret, I suspect. Whisper, whisper, hint, mm. hint, wink. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Exactly. Uh, three, I have learned how to play from podcasts, you guys and others. Number four, real plays are usually edited, uh, usually edit things out, uh, like outside, uh, usually edit and things like outside game conversations, rules, look up, etc. Don't happen on air. Uh, I thought it might be interesting to hear your perspective on actual plays. <coughs> I'm a little sad that Jessica wasn't here for this one. Um, but, let's see, to be honest, between the two of us, we don't, I don't, we don't, ha- we don't take a lot of time to consume actual plays just because they usually end up being a little long for us to listen to. My uh, my car ride to work is only like ten minutes, so I don't. Right. Yeah, and then I only get like half an hour or ten minutes at a time for a break, so I don't get a lot of time to sit down and listen to a, a to listen to stuff. The only one we've really listened to all the way through uh, is the balance arc of the Adventure Zone, okay. which uh, incidentally is excellent, and you sh- everyone should listen to it right now because it's going to become a classic. They've, they've got like a graphic novel coming out for it. It's and it's and it's just good. It's just a lot of fun. <laughs> I have the same problem with listening to um, actual plays in that my ride to work is five ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I do end up spending a lot of time in the car during the day because I travel to different sites. But again, I that's five minute five to ten minute snippets at a time and. Breaking it up like that is kind of hard. Mm-hmm. That being said, I do listen to one, and that's the Broadswords. They're um, an they're an all female D and D group. Nice. Um, and I actually know one of the players. So nice. Yeah, and it's it's really good. I enjoy it a lot. Excellent. They're in season <coughs> two now, and what I like about their games actually is that they're kind the the 
actual plays are kind of short. They limit it to about half an hour to an hour nice. per episode. Nice. So you can listen to it. Very good. Mm-hmm. I'll have to take some notes. Uh, none of the prologues that we've recorded are particularly long, but worth keeping in mind. Because yeah. I know that, like, R- Critical Role just, like... Yeah. I don't know how much editing they did for when they released it as, like, a full... Uh, released, like, the original campaign Vox Machina as a full podcast, but, like... When you sat down to sit with those people, with the play with those folks, you were sitting there for like three, four hours. Right. <coughs> Granted, it sounds like it was a pretty fun three to four hours, but you know. Right. So, um, I think that uh, the fact that I mean, I think a lot of these are important things to bring up because. Uh, Especially that, you know, Critical Role getting 8 million on a Kickstarter. Obviously, actual plays are working. Right. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think actual plays are doing... I rem- I am old. Mm-hmm. I remember the days when D&D was demonized and considered, you know, summoning the devil in your basement. Right. I, I remember this going on. Um, so, I think the actual plays... I, I'm not sure which is causing which. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. the more mainstream is causing the actual plays or actual plays is causing it to become more mainstream. Um, but now nobody's embarrassed to say, hey, I'm going to GaryCon for four days to play drag- to play Dungeons & Dragons 12 hours a day. Um, people don't look at you like you're cutting off chicken heads in the backyard, you know? Um so I think, I mean, that's a positive in my view. Absolutely. Uh, I would say it has definitely gone a long way to introduce it to people who otherwise might not have tried it. Right. Because now they can see people actually playing the game, so they know, so there's no mystery to it. There's nothing, and they think, you know, I could give that a try. So they go pick up a cool right. book and they go play it themselves. So I think, honestly, that, um, I think I think it's if anything it's going to just kind of magnify role playing games if that makes sense. I I agree. It's going to make more people get in on it, which means that there's going to be more conversations about it, and um, I think that it will let's see that the positives and negatives of role playing games will just there's just going to be more of each because there's going to okay. be more people playing and uh, there's going to be more options to listen to more people playing games. Um, <coughs> right now there's, it's also very useful for kind of scouting games. Uh, so if you want to like, if you see like a new ga- a game come, uh, come around your store and it looks interesting, but you're not a hundred percent, you can see if, it, see if there's an actual play about it and mm-hmm. you can hear it being played. So it's, that's a, it's a surprisingly great way to sell a game too. So I would not yeah. be surprised if there's, I mean, Critical Role just got eight million on Kickstarter. Obviously, there is some money in this. <laughs> some. Now they are, of course, are probably the exception and not the rule. Uh, that, but obviously, you know, people enjoy them. It's it's making things a bit more accessible and a bit more, uh, let's see, a bit less stigmatized and uh, it's bringing it into more of the mainstream culture. So I I think that. I think that's it. They just, they've magnified games. They've made, they've just, it's just made them bigger. Right. 
And I mean, more people playing games just means more people playing games. There's, I don't think there's anything bad about that at all. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, so, thank you, Drunkle Grog. Excellent question. We very much appreciate it. Uh, next question comes from our good friend Parsival on the Green Running Forums. Hey, Toby, how's it going? Hello. <clears throat> Pardon me for just a second. <coughs> Goodness. You know, one nice thing about this frog in my throat is that it gives me a surprisingly good radio voice. Because <laughs> it gives me just kind of like that, that timber. A little bit of baritone A in little there. bit, yeah, I like it. Uh, Parsifal's question, uh, with a bit of preamble here, as enjoyable ep- an episode as ever. An enjoyable episode as ever. If I, I do wonder if the element of calling out single opponents that features in the Dragon Age 2 computer game version is something that could be successfully added to the, de- to the Duelist specialization. As a question for the next podcast, what do you think of the following house rule, which attempts to recreate the throw-the-gauntlet talent from Dragon Age 2, Dragon Age 2 basically combining the result of a successful taunt with a threatened taunt, with a threatened stat? Duelist Grandmaster level. When we played Dragon Age, or well, all the way back in Dragon Age Origins, we went past Master. It was pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it went like, it was like Grandmaster and then Paragon or something like that. Yeah, that was in Awakening. That's right. Uh, Duelist Grandmaster, taken by a PC who has completed the Duelist specialization in lieu of another specialization talent at 10, 14, or 18. The Duelist issues an irresistible challenge to a single foe. The enemy immediately abandons its other opponents to engage the rogue. When successfully using the taunt stunt, your opponent must also attack you in some way on their next turn. (coughs) I think if that's the kind of mechanic that you want to make, um using the taunt because it is a rogue based one they're probably i mean i could i could definitely see them having a decent strength but they're probably going to be a bit more focused in the communication so getting to use that communication deception to not only taunt them but get them to come fight you that's that's pretty good uh if you yeah, were if you were choosing to do this in te- instead of taking your second specialization, I don't know if there's going to be more degrees of it beyond gra- Grandmaster level, but I'd say this is a pretty good start. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to forego an entire specialization for a, the Grandmaster level of it, mm-hmm. but if there was a Paragon and a... I have no idea what would come after Paragon. Super duper but... Paragon... <laughs> a maker level you know Ooh. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um and maybe it's like uh it's, it's just one degree of talent and then you can take a regular talent the next two levels and you would just miss out on the master of the mm-hmm. the last level of the specialization i could yeah, see that, that. Work. yeah i could see that too well um if i mean if that's the kind of mechanic you want to go for it is going to make that Ooh. It will make that stunt very cheap. Because threaten is usually co- usually costs two and taunt costs two, but if you're just you get if you're getting the effect of both with just two, then that's that's pretty powerful. Uh, but maybe make it maybe make it three? Maybe make it three. I could see that. It sounds like a pretty good compromise. Still makes it fairly cheap, so you got room for some other stuff. Um and, you know, it still does a little extra something for somebody who wants to yeah. really take their duelist uh, to the next level, past master. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Parsifal, I think if that's what you want to do with your game, I think it works fairly well. Uh, so, thank you for the question. As always, we very much appreciate it. 
All right, next question comes from Gabriel M. on our Facebook. Thanks for the question, Gabriel. We haven't gotten a question from you since last year. Uh, question was, with a bit of preamble, uh, Hey, it's been a while. While listening to episode 72 about Faces of Thetis, I got my attention hooked on what you said about Fenris not being in the book. Believe me, I was very hooked on it, too. Uh, have, oh, Fenris. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen Faces yet, but I do like disagreeing, uh, I do feel like disagreeing a bit with what was said about the reason he's not there. The main problem, including Fenris with stats and all, I think, is his heart-touching ability. There aren't, so far as I can remember, not, uh, anything in the tabletop game that resembles that. Even if you think of it as a spirit warrior, which, in my point of view, would be the closest, it is still pretty far from what he does best, reaching into people's hearts and brooding. Uh, re uh, reaping people's hearts out and brooding. So they would have to come up with some brand new specialization, maybe even some extra mechanics to justify that. With that said, how would you guys adapt Fenris's specialization? Would, how would you include it in your games? Could anyone get a bunch of cool tattoos and start glowing and punching hearts out of chests? I mean, it sounds pretty cool. Uh, I would like to think that uh, Fenris's particular situation is perhaps a, a bit unique. Uh, yeah. And it would also depend heavily on whether Daenerys lives after Dragon Age 2, because then... Uh, I don't know, maybe it doesn't, uh, because this, uh, if someone could claim his research and uh, get it out there, then other people could go to making, like... Uh, Let's see, what was his specialization was like called like Lyrium Ghost or something, right? Or Lyrium Warrior? Yeah. Yeah, where he would like kind of almost phase out of existence. Mm -hmm. and... It had a little bit of like the Arcane Warrior flavor and a little bit of Spirit Warrior flavor. I, yeah. I, it's a really cool specialization and I would absolutely want to play it. <laughs> but... Um... <coughs> That uh, punching hearts out of chest thing was real out of people's chest thing was really something he just did in cutscenes. Um, yeah, I, I and I honestly I think if you would try to put that specific ability into a into a tabletop game, it would either be completely overpowered because you could just reach in, grab a heart, and right guys dead, or it would be so incredibly hard to actually accomplish that it would never get done. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, maybe it was just Fenris being really dramatic with his coup de gras. Well, he does. He is good at brooding. I mean, yeah, he's he's very good at that. He's he's good for that. He should he should have a whole brooding tree. He should That's have a his whole skill tree. A brooding specialization. Yeah, requires uh, uh, a minimum amount of point of spikes on your armor. <laughs> Gotta have some of that white anime hair. Yes. Oof, and you gotta get some dulcet tones. Oh, Gideon Emery, man. It's very, it is very fun to listen to that man talk. Oh. The first, a little <laughs> off topic here, but the first game I ever heard him in was in Final Fantasy XII, where he was Balthier, and I fell in Oh my god, I did not know that. Yes, he's Balthier, and I <laughs> fell in love with him immediately. Oh, jeez. Wow. I, getting those two reconciled is hard now. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that for a while now. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks, I guess. Um, <laughs> I think if you wanted uh, to include like a Lyrium Warrior specialization, it would probably be something, a specialization that is going to have to be earned. Um, 
I doubt that there would be anybody who could... Re- and it's it's interesting because getting that specialization also, like, did things to Fenris. Like, he... Like, it wiped his memory a little bit. He was just kind of... It made him, like, a blank slate when he was in see when yeah. he was finished. And then he just kind of went on from there. So, it would be quite an event to do so in your game. <coughs> Everyone have to like write you a little journal so that you could get up to speed on what you missed, um, and that's of course assuming that the people who you are working with know how the ritual works and if they even do it correctly. And it's also it's a little bit like becoming a, a gray warden. It I think it carries a fair risk of death. Yeah, because it does. It gives you a fair amount of power. It lets you you know phase in and out of and see phase in and out of the fade out of reality something. Um, yeah. Makes you a little ghost-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he had, like, a, a bursting ability that he could do that was kind of like the Spirit Warrior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you could probably uh, combine a couple of abilities from some other specializations to cobble together. Uh, to cobble it together. And I would I could actually see it, uh, see this being a good specialization to introduce maybe a discount to the pierce armor stunt because warriors don't usually get that right uh or maybe they can uh it can can be that specialization that lets them uh use pierce armor uh to do penetrating damage instead of uh piercing damage it might actually be good to just leave it like that because rogues are already getting it for cheaper and i think probably something that should stay fairly unique to them goodness all right i hope that answers your question gabriel and i appreciate the questions from everybody else this has been uh, a lovely codex so thank you all for joining us and of course uh, those of you out there listening if you have a question about the dragon age rpg whether it's mechanics build suggestions questions about lore clarifications about old episodes or anything else send a message to one's the podcast at gmail.com send it to us through our facebook twitter tumblr google plus or soundcloud accounts or send a personal message to caught the protector or helipuff on the green running forums or send a message to caught or lease on the d20 radio forums that's us them. <laughs> You're gonna have to take that Google Plus out soon. That's a good point. Actually, um, this actually this might be one of the last episodes we get to mention that one, just because yeah. <coughs> it's gonna disappear. I've stopped posting to it, so it, it it's a moot point by now. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I'll have to get into the episodes next. The episode stencil and scrub that one out. Maybe I'll have it mention our Miwi. Well, we don't really have a MeWe. Yeah. We post on MeWe, but we don't really have like a, a MeWe specific page. I'll have to consider that maybe as a possibility. There you go. <clears throat> I should also probably mention, oh goodness, we, we have, we're part of the D20 Radio Discord. I need to change my script a little later. Anyway, uh, we're going to be skipping the Distant Verses this time. We haven't got anything to share at the moment. Um... This is the part where we would have Jessica give us uh, a pun to segue us into the main <sighs> topic, but... Um, I have failed. I have not come up with one, so I'm know, very sorry, Jessica. That, that I, is... <laughs> I have failed. I'm sure that... I'm sure that she can forgive. She can forgive, and, uh, you know, we can just... Uh, we can all be good sports about this, because we're talking about some good table etiquette and being nice to everybody and that wasn't really a pun but i think it was a pretty good segue anyway 
this is the main topic for today. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. No pun this time. Uh, I thought I could maybe come up with one in that last moment, but... Yeah. Not in me. That's not. That's what Jessica does. She does it well, uh, and she'll you know, and we'll we'll get it from her again. So, uh, this episode is all about being a good player, the kind of person the GMs want to come back to their table. It doesn't have. We don't have a particular order of events here. Uh, I just kind of threw spaghetti threw spaghetti at the wall to see what would stick. Uh, so we'll be listing our advice in no particular sequence. Uh, but being a good player is just as important as being a good GM. Uh, you're here to have some fun and blow off some steam, but and it doesn't have to be as much work as the GM puts into it, but you still should be, to a degree, observing the social contract. Well, I mean, you should definitely be observing the social contract, but to a degree, you, there is some work that you can do to help make sure that the game runs smoothly and that everyone's having a good time. <coughs> so, you know, it's, it, you're not really responsible for making sure the game goes well, but... Some of that, a small sliver of that responsibility does lie in the hands of the players, each. Absolutely. So, uh, we'll just start with a quick list of pl- of do's and don'ts, and we'll start with the do's. And I think the first one is very important. Do be attentive. Uh, the GM has put lots of work into making a campaign. The other players have put their time into making interesting allies of yours. Please make sure that you are here to play and be part of the adventure with everybody else. Yeah, and that means, you know, put the phone away. You know, put everything else away. No outside stuff, no social mm-hmm. media, no reading, no talking with everybody mm-hmm. else at the table about side stuff. Side chatter is probably in my tables one of the biggest things that we do. And we know we shouldn't, mm-hmm. and we do it anyway. Side chatter can get pretty bad sometimes, so try to minimize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely trying. It's it's not completely reasonable for folks to uh, just completely cut themselves off from the outside world. Of course, we're not asking anyone right. to do that, uh, especially right. if you've got like uh, a sick family member, or you have to be on call for your job, or maybe you maybe you game at your house and you've got a kid to watch. So. Once or you game at somebody else's house and you still have yes. kids at your house. Yes, or that the one. The babysitter is, you know. Having a rough knows? shrug. Uh, so, right. You know, we're not asking you to cut yourself off from the world outside. Just be try to be ready when the GM calls for you. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so if the GM calls for your turn to come along and you, uh, come, and you come up for air out of your phone, you're like, okay, what's going on? What's happening? That's, right. That's very that's, aggravating. Absolutely. And not just for the GM, but probably for your fellow players, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next one is do your homework. Uh, asking rules questions in the middle of your turn is understandable sometimes. It is going to slow down play, so try to read the rules and know how you, and know how your character works, at least. Even right. if you don't know how all the other rules in the game works, at least know how yours work. Yours. Exactly. If you're playing a rogue, you don't necessarily have to know how the spellcasters are casting their spells. Right. But you should definitely know how your backstab works. Exactly. 
So just, you know, make sure that you know how your character works and take a look at your character sheet. Make sure you know what all the numbers mean. Um, make sure you know how to fill it out correctly. It's it's a bunch of little things, and this definitely all gets easier as you keep playing and uh, you get a few more sessions under your belt or maybe even go looking for your own custom character sheets or making your own if you're an enterprising individual. Uh, it's only going to help the game run smoother. Uh, and your other players will thank you for it. Uh, when your turn goes nice and quick uh, and you throw out a little bit of uh, role-playing flourish and move right along to the next person. And combat takes long enough. We don't need... We don't need to, we can, right. As any way that we can make it go a little faster, anything uh, is welcome. Absolutely. Uh, next is do assist struggling players. Uh, some players... As in, in the case in the case in some of my groups is some players don't have a lot of free time besides that which they set aside for game. Um, some of my friends have like two or three jobs that they're holding down. So when they come to play D and D or Dragon Age with us, then that's that is that is their free time. Right. So they may need a little help to be brought up to speed, uh, or to be and say they might have some questions because they haven't had a lot of time to reference the rules. Um, they maybe uh, put their character together rather quickly because they want to play and they want to hang out with their friends and they want to have a good time, but they just they haven't got a lot of time to go into it. That's perfectly fine. That's 100% fine. We're all here to have some fun. So, um, so if you're sitting next to that person, give them a hand. Uh, if, a player, if they have a question about the rules, uh, maybe like talk to them quietly off to the side while the GM keeps the game going. Uh, and feel free to share your resources, like rule books, or maybe great places to find some character sheets, or maybe some instructional videos, or instructional podcasts. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, so, <clears throat> so that everyone. Can I don't know any of those. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Nobody, nobody does uh, uh, <clears throat> hour-long podcasts about. Uh, let's say that are uh, edutainment about uh, about a game. <laughs> But, you know, if you happen to find one, feel free to send them to it. Absolutely. Uh, next one is super important. And honestly, oh, yeah. most of these are super important, but I'm probably going to say that about most of them. Uh, do communicate with your GM. Uh, communicate about everything. More communication is always good. Uh, session zero, for example, is your chance, you and your friend's chance to let everyone know your expectations and your hopes for the campaigns. Uh what you're expecting the game to feature if you're like one if um maybe you're particularly excited about getting to visit antiva tell your gm about that tell the other players yeah. about that get everyone let's see get everyone excited to go do dances dance with some crows and some merchant princes <laughs> if there's something you don't want in the game mm-hmm. this is your chance to tell that as well yes 100 percent. that you're not comfortable with like you know killing children for example or even if you're just if you're not comfortable with like mention with with some mentions of things because we do we do come to games to relax and to blow off steam this is our leisure time so uh we don't come here see to deal with some of the dark stuff that we already deal with in real life right Right. So this is the chance to tell your GM, hey, I'm not comfortable with this, and if we could leave it out of the game, that would be great. Yes. 
please yeah you know, please let your yeah. gm know everything let your fellow players know everything so that they can right. talk if you it's if you don't have the chance to talk maybe one session um, yeah like if you're uncomfortable with overly sexual role play you know yeah. which can get a little awkward sometimes if you're not comfortable with that say so 100 percent you may now especially like if it happens in game um it's if it's making you genuinely uncomfortable you should definitely speak up right away yes absolutely 100 percent um communicate if it's something minor, like uh, someone made an off-color joke that you didn't appreciate, then um, if it mm-hmm. if you feel like it can wait, then uh, it's probably good to bring it up outside of the session uh, rather than right. during the session. If it, I mean, it, of course, if it's if it's really bothering you, absolutely bring it up. Uh, but you know, it's, if, if it's a, yeah, ask for a break or something in the game, and yeah. And if you, if you don't feel comfortable saying it to the whole group, ask for a break and bring it to mm-hmm. the person who said it or the GM. Um, and on that note of communicating, it's also, I usually find much wiser to do communication that needs to happen uh, one-on-one away from the other mm-hmm. people so that there's no, yeah. that there's no peanut gallery or uh, in right. some cases there's no like pile on. So then they, right. so the person who needs to be talked to gets defensive because there's five other people who are saying, yeah, yeah, you're doing this thing. You shouldn't be doing this thing. Why are you doing this thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not going to help anybody. That's just going right. to get, that's just going to force them into a corner and then they're going to double down on whatever they were, t- whatever they were doing. So if you need to communicate with the GM or with the fellow player, um, you should definitely try and do it. Uh, with with as few witnesses as is right. reasonable. Oh, God. oh, I'm sorry. That's why I would say ask for a break where you could talk to somebody one on one without, you know, bring it to the whole table. Yeah, that can that ju- that can just make things very awkward, and that can that can make right. some real relationships uh, have yes. to get get a little awkward. Um. Next is uh, do make the time to show up, and we understand this is so hard. It really is, and I it's I definitely want to add the caveat that this is really not possible for everybody because nobody's mm-hmm. we all we all don't we all have different jobs, uh, we've all got different home lives, we've all got different families. So, you know, this is more like if you can. A lot of us have packed schedules. Some of us have jobs with schedules that are random every week. Like nobody, nobody I know here. No, nobody here. It's not why we sometimes record in just the regular, just like in the nice, cozy evening, and sometimes we have to record at freaking midnight. <coughs> it's or past midnight. Yeah, Never yeah. Well, no, no, no. Why don't we keep going? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, <laughs> if you can, uh, if you especially if you have the freedom to try and set your like days off for the week aside four games uh just because it's you know if if, if some groups um agree that if like one or two people don't show up then they postpone games so that everyone can be there so try to try to work with that if you can and we absolutely understand that some folk for some folks that's it's just hard it is it's just real hard <laughs> so just you know do what you can uh and of course probably the most important one do have fun. 
That is the most important. Hundred percent. This a lot of this can seem like a fair amount of work. Uh, like a, let's see, like you're just like you're here to babysit all of your fellow players and your GM. You're you're really not. No. <coughs> We're all here to have fun. Uh, so find your fun at the table. The other players and the GMs are gonna GM is gonna notice your fun, and it's just gonna become a big fun feedback loop. So just right. do that. And the GM will notice if you're not having fun. Yeah, it's and honestly, just about everybody at the table is probably going to notice well, if you're not. Yeah, and it's a big fun suck. Yeah, if that happens. So, I mean, if you're not having fun, again, talk to your GM. Hundred percent. And tell them why, and maybe there's an easy fix. Maybe there is. That'd be nice. All right. Uh, next, we'll go into a list of player don'ts. And I uh, don't have quite as many of these, uh, but a lot of them should be fairly obvious. Uh, yeah, a couple of these, I feel that. Was. A couple of these we're going to be uh, reiterating because while they seem like they should be obvious, a lot of folks miss them anyway. Um, and of course, the first one is don't make the other players uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big one. Yes, this is. Unf- I hear this. I hear these kinds of stories all the time about people who bring stuff to the table that no one else wants to deal with, and it makes other players aggravated. It makes the GM nervous because some of them aren't very mm-hmm. good at like confrontations and letting folks know that hey, this isn't okay. So, but so please be sensitive to your fellow players and your GM. Uh, if a player, especially if a player says they are uncomfortable with certain content in a game, do not do, do not those do things. Them. Don't. Just don't. No. <coughs> they just asked you not to, so don't be. So don't do it. Don't. Uh, yeah. This I is... feel like having the Aveline sign that says don't. <laughs> yes. Could make a big sign. <laughs> just says don't. You could hit people with it. Yes. Maybe we don't hit our fellow players with the don't sign, but... We just hold it up. Yes. Don't. We just have it. Um, yeah. This is not sucking the fun out of your game. This is making sure that everyone feels welcome at your table, because that is paramount. Because, let me tell you, if you do, if something happens that somebody's uncomfortable with, that's what's going to suck the fun out of the game, because that person's going to retreat, they're going to into them, and they're not going to want to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's just going to become a nasty spiral. Sp- yeah, not that I'm speaking from personal experience or anything. Oh, man. <coughs> I think <laughs> Jess- Jessica's got some personal experience with this, too. and uh, Yeah. I'm sure I do, just nothing's... Well, actually, you no, know, there's a couple of things that pop up in, in, in mine. We had a really nasty uh, experience at Gen Con once. Oh. Uh, <laughs> when we told some Paizo devs about it later, they wanted names. Oh. Yeah, it was very good of them. Um I let's see. We we don't have to go into that story. It's more, we won't it's, go into it. It's more more Jessica's story to tell anyway than mine. Um, and we don't want to suck the fun out of exactly the podcast. Exactly. So let's let's just say it was not a good experience. Yes. And we'll move on. It was. Uh, let's see. If you haven't gotten permission from another player for your character to hit on theirs, don't do don't it. Don't do it. Uh, if your fellow players are uncomfortable with precise descriptions of violence. Don't, Don't do it. Do it. Uh, anything that your Pella players ask you to not engage in, please don't do exactly that. Don't do it. Don't. Just big, 
Come on. Sign. Don't. <laughs> GMs should already be taking into account what content your group is comfortable with. So, uh, especially if the GM has already got this fairly under control, don't grab the don't grab the, the don't grab the wheels and and deviate from that heavily. Yeah. It's just not cool. No. Alright, this next one's good, too. Uh, Don't take all the fun for yourself. Right. Um, This one can kind of uh, bleed into the first one, but make sure everyone's got a chance to shine and they're not taking up too much of the spotlight. (laughs) Because, you know, a game's only going to last a few hours and everybody's going there so that they can have, so that they can, you know, be part of a big adventure and that their character gets to do some cool stuff. So... If your character's been talking a while or has been taking up the spotlight uh, and another player's been quiet, uh, try to give them a moment or two. Um, now, of course, if they're being quiet because they're being shy and they doesn't look like they want an extra moment, you don't have to give them one. Um, but, you know, it's a, uh, if it, also if it's clear that other people are trying to speak up, let them. Yeah. A lot of times <coughs> I've, I've, what I've found is that if you're talking a lot, you don't really realize you're doing it. I don't feel because mm-hmm. I think that's what it happens when you get really into the role play or the battle or whatever you're doing. You just get really into the moment and you just kind of forget that there's that you've been going for so long or you you've got that much of the spotlight on you for that amount of time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I I want to think that it's not deliberate. Mm-hmm. Um. And hopefully, you know, the GMs, your GM can pick up on it and say, you know, all right, we're going to move over to you over here now. What do you have to say about this? You know, hopefully that will happen. Mm-hmm. Because, again, I, I, I honestly, for most part, don't think it's deliberate when those kinds of things happen. Probably not. Ideally not. I'm sure they aren't. Oh, I do. I, I, I like to think that they're not, that it just kind of happens. Hmm. Yeah, and as you said, hopefully the GM is picking up on these kinds of things too and might try and uh, and might try and hand the spotlight over to that player. So don't... So if they're handing the spotlight to another player, also don't grab it for yourself. Right. Back off. You know, step back for a moment. Well, this is what my character says. Yeah. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> we, we caught that part. All right, um, and uh, we've only got a, you know, one more don't, but it's it's actually a very important counterpart to one that we had earlier. Uh, don't not have fun. And uh, right. what we mean by this is your time is valuable and you should not throw it into a game that is making you bored, angry, or uncomfortable. Right. If you've got to get out of that game to for your well-being don't wait a long time don't you know wait weeks and weeks and weeks and hope it gets better if you've got to get out get out and for the most part i feel gamers are pretty um understanding people Mm -hmm. and if you say look i just can't do this most of the time i've i've actually never been in a place or a game where somebody had to leave and everybody was ticked off they had to leave Mm mm-hmm that everybody was very understanding and said, okay, you know, when you want to come back, we got a spot. Yes. 
So, you know, value your time. You absolutely should value your time because your time is valuable. And uh, if you're not getting anything out of this game, or even worse, you're just getting a bunch of toxicity out of this game, drop mm-hmm. it like it's hot and get out of there. Yep. It's not worth your time. And if you stay, you know, especially these people are probably your friends. Yeah. If you stay and you're not having a good time, it can cause bad blood between your friends. And I've seen friendships end over games. It's really so rough. It's, and it's ter- it's heartbreaking. I've had a friendship end because of a game. And it's it's heartbreaking. And you don't want that. So if you value your time and your friendships with these people, get out. 100%. Now, uh, we'll go into, we're going to go into a couple of more uh, technical things and specific things, like uh, how to prepare yourself for a game. And we've got just a couple of things to add, like have your materials, have your rule books, uh, have some pencils and some paper, have your character sheets. Character uh, sheets. You'd be surprised how many people don't have their (laughs) character sheets sometimes. Yeah, that's that's an important one. Make sure you've yeah. got a good place that you know where it is. So if you've got mm-hmm. like, you can like get just like uh, a college ruled folder and just say, yeah. this is where I keep my character sheets. This is where I've got uh, references for rules and such. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm ready to play a game, I'll just grab that folder and take it to play, take it to game with me. I have a three ring binder that I've got I punch holes in all my character sheets. I've got dividers so I know which game has which character sheet, which which. B- Dividers are supplemental rules, and it all goes in my backpack. And there we go. Goes because in my backpack is my my rule book, my three ring binder, and my um my dice tray. Excellent. And my extra dice. I've got this. Uh, I've got one of those big three ring binders that I use for uh, our Pathfinder Society games, which mm-hmm. sadly we haven't been to in a while. Uh, we just haven't really had the time since my schedule went insane after a couple mm. of bosses changed around um but i it's i i keep like 20 characters in it for pathfinder society uh and especially if i don't know who i'm bringing i just grab the whole right. binder and i've just i've got options yeah uh, i have the same i have the same thing for D's adventure league nice. i have a binder it's got one character of every class nice so whenever Whatever I need, they're, most of them are level ones right now. I actually made it for Gary Khan because I didn't know what I was going to need. Ah, fair enough. But um, So if I go to an Adventure League game and I need whatever the group needs, I've got one ready to go. Nice. That's good. Yeah. Uh, and of course, make sure that you got plenty of dice. And uh, in some cases, it's not a bad idea to bring extra dice because extra. maybe some of your players misplaced them or forgot them forgot them or maybe their cat knocked them underneath something and they're gone for like 15 years until you move the furniture and oh there they are that's where they've been Mm -hmm. bubble bubble gum where'd you go (laughs) so you know it's all those little things make sure that you've got them uh ready to go maybe get them a carrying case some folks some folks are lucky enough to have to find like a, a decent carrying case i got one of those uh uh, last year at Gen Con, when I uh, GM'd for Green, Green Ronin, they gave me uh, a, a dice box, Ooh, which nice. is uh, where I keep all of my um, Dragon Age Blue Rose and uh, age-specific D6s. Nice. 
Um, bring rule books if you have them. It only helps. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not a lot of rule books to bring for Dragon Age, so you can just grab, hopefully, if you've got a copy of the core rule book, you can grab that. Um, <coughs> a lot of folks will have digital rule books, so in that case, it's not a bad idea to bring like a laptop or a tablet that's got them on there. Um, mm-hmm. Just be aware that there's also that it always carries that temptation of distraction with it. Right. And no, you're probably going to have to share it around the table because yep. not everybody has a rule book. Right. It's not a super cheap rule book, so there's only right. probably... Right. I mean, what is it? Like, what is it? Like 50 bucks? 60. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a bit steep. Yeah. But it is a might, it is a weighty tome, so there's a lot of cool it stuff is. in it. It is. What is it? It's like... It's 437 pages worth of yeah. Dragon Age goodness. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, there's, and there's a lot. So. If you got one, bring it along. It'll it'll only help uh, so that the GM mm-hmm. doesn't have to share their one rule book with the whole table when someone needs to look up a rule. Right. Uh, it always helps to have. I know uh, in our game we had a rule book, and one of the players also had a rule book, so I had one handy when I needed it. Uh, but when like three, four people were leveling up, I could hand it over, and there'd be two rule books going around, so it just mm-hmm. makes things go faster. Um, this one's more for fun, but it can, especially, and this may also depend on your group, but look into getting a mini for your character. Yeah. Minis are fun. Uh, Minis are fun. Not all groups will use them. Age is pretty good about, uh, theater of the mind kind of stuff. Uh, but you absolutely can use maps, and personally, I think that it only, uh, helps enhance the game because it gives you something to visualize. Yeah, as much as I like Theater of the Mind, I kind of do like the maps because I can see when I'm adjacent to people, when I'm not adjacent to people, when other people are adjacent, and, you know, I just, it just, it gives it a a better visualization personally for me. I know lots of people who prefer just to have it in their heads. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I actually made a mini on Hero Forge. Yeah! It's expensive. Holy cow, is it expensive for a mini? Yeah, that's, but it's like thirty bucks for a mini. But yeah, but you can make it exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, you can change hairstyles. You know, whatever weapon you want, you're not limited to like going into a store and hoping to find an elf druid or whatever mm-hmm. you're looking for. An elf, you know, dual wielding rogue that has a braid and wears a cloak and exactly you know with hero you can Forge, do that you can make exactly what you need and they 3d print yep. it for you and they'll send it to you and if you want to spend more money you can get it done in brass and things Ooh, yeah yeah there's they go up to like 150 bucks for yeah. a mini yeah you can get it as like a statuette of brass right it's like i mean if it's and it's a good you know like three or four inches tall i think mm, it's pretty big <laughs> uh, that's if you're dead i feel that's if you're like dedicated to playing this game for mm-hmm. years or maybe you I'm like gonna... want to immortalize that character <laughs> right uh, like have like a have something on the shelf of them that you can just put up there and reminisce yeah but you know maybe just for the wealthy among us <laughs> yeah, uh, let's that's not see. me uh, offer to buy snacks or order food or cook. 
Mm-hmm. This is always a big one in my group. Mm-hmm. The games are probably going to last, especially if you've got a big chunk of time set aside for them. Um, mm-hmm. If a game is running like four, five, six hours, there's going to be a meal time that passes by. So how mm-hmm. is your group going to handle it? Uh, a lot of times our group does a lot of cooking. Um, nice. Per, my specialty is bringing the shepherd's pie. Ooh. Which is good because I can make most of it at home and then throw it in the oven like half an hour before we want to eat. So Nice. Good yeah. stuff. <coughs> I've made the uh, the elven hearth cakes that are in the World of Thetis Volume 2. I, I've made them a couple times. If you go on Patreon, there's a picture of my hearth cakes Ooh. on there somewhere. Mine I always made really small. How did you make yours? Um... I use I actually have a biscuit cutter okay. of different of random sizes, so I just picked out like maybe a three inch one. Alright. Um that yeah. Fair enough. I made um blueberry ones and apricot ones the last Ooh, time I made them. Very nice. I think I They're usually really did good. like uh blueberries or uh cherries. The apricot was really good. It does sound good. Yeah. So, uh, as you can probably tell, this kind of thing does get gamers excited, uh, and it's Uh going to make the game feel a bit more welcoming and a bit more warm. So, especially if you like cooking, uh, maybe consider cooking for your group. You'll, of course, now cooking, of course, takes time, so you'll probably want to have, you'll either want to do it before game starts or... Uh, yeah, a lot of games that I when like when I was back in college, we uh, and we had long game days. We would we we would you know have everybody leave for like lunch breaks or a dinner break. If you're gonna cook uh, for a long group, let me just say a crock pot is your friend. Ooh, yes, good idea. <laughs> um, I'll tell you that one of the better wins we ever did was Taco Day. Ooh, where we just the taco meat was in the crock pot. And that's all you really need to do. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, see, you're, we're getting the gamers excited, so it's worth yeah. keeping in mind for your games. <clears throat> Use that crockpot. Um, let's see, then uh, try... Uh, see, this was one that actually comes up a fair amount for my group, and it sounds like it does for your, to yours, too. Uh, it does. Try to get socializing done early before game starts. Yeah. Um, no. Um, uh, I don't, if, that's the. Sorry, go ahead. The biggest problem we have is game starts at two o'clock, mm-hmm. so we actually start playing at about two forty-five. Gotcha. <laughs> because we all socialize, mm-hmm. which is not ideal. Because this is a Sunday we're playing, and you know we don't want to be up uh, be around too late on a Sunday because we do have to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we do tend sometimes play for six hours at a time. So gotcha. If your if your game starts at two, you know everybody's you're going to want to socialize for a bit, but keep it to a minimum. Yeah. Um, I and now uh, with uh, our group, how this tends to go is that. Uh, let me do this. With our group, how this tends to go is that we, as, um, for, a, for especially for our D&D games, uh, we play like once every two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And because all of us have jobs and not, several of us don't live close to each other, this is our first chance to see each other in two weeks. So, right. naturally, the urge to socialize uh, b- before game uh, and during game is very strong. 
because we haven't really been like physically near each other for a long time. So that's that's understandable. Um, and a good way to work around that is maybe like if you, especially if you're gaming like in the evening, you guys can go out to dinner before you game. So you can have your time to sit down and socialize and catch up with everybody. Um, Or if somebody is cooking, eat first. Bring the food, eat first, and then play. Mm -hmm. This, of course, will uh, vary between groups. Some folks might Mm -hmm. start, might, uh, I miss, I really miss the days where we had like a whole day set aside for playing a game. Those those were glorious. Of course, uh, back in those days, we also were all in college, so we saw each other. We didn't see. We saw each other every day, so the socializing right. wasn't really an issue for us. But um, so it's it's worth keeping in mind, especially if your groups don't get to meet very often, that you're probably going to want to take some time to see your friends. So right. uh, you know, try to make, try to put aside, aside some time for that. Right. <coughs> Started to say, all right, yeah, like fifteen, twenty minutes, and then. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get right into it. And when I hit that button, we are starting. Yep. Uh, now, uh, these next little bits are uh, specific for how you can prep for an age game, <coughs> which hopefully is the ones you're playing. You know, if you if you follow right. our podcast and our future future uh, endeavors, you'll probably be a fan of age. So, yeah. here's a couple of things that uh, we found are helpful. Is uh, have your dice prepared, and for what for me, what this means is uh, it often helps me as a GM, and it can help the players too to have more than one set of dice ready to go. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially since I have to roll tests for multiple people at once, uh, especially at later levels when you've got more rolls, more rolling to do because you've got uh, extra attacks as a minor action, um, or a lot of your stunts uh, involve extra rolls. Then having uh, an extra having extra sets of dice can just help speed up the process. <coughs> uh, especially if you're the kind of person who thinks ahead uh, and you roll your attack rolls and damage rolls at the same time. Right. Uh, but when all of the dice are d6s, uh, unlike a lot of d20 games, that can get a little tricky. So you'll just want to make sure that you know, like, these are my damage dice. Lots of different colors. Mm-hmm. Lots of different colors. <laughs> uh, this can also help uh, if your GM needs to know about a roll that you just made. Uh, so that if you don't have that one set of dice and you roll an attack and you get some stunt points, um, maybe the GM might want a little extra information about that. So uh, it's not, it doesn't hurt to have an extra roll, set of dice that you can grab and a roll for the new test from the stunt, so the GM can still ask questions about, like, what was the stunt die result? Uh, see, what was your total roll on that first one? Things like that. So, that, especially right. for an age game, that can really help. Um, let's see, and here's it's feeding into from that last one don't pick up your dice until the GM asks you to roll. <laughs> the True. GM may have, let's see, this happens to me quite often is uh, I ask. What was this? What was the dragon die result? And they look at the dice that are in their hands already, and like, 
I don't remember. Uh. <laughs> so you know they might not see that they, you know that rolling that that three d sixes it has a dragon die result, it has a total result, and especially with some games like Blue Rose that have systems for outcome that determine how good the roll was based on how much you beat the target number by. Uh, the GM may ask for the stunt die results, so it's not a bad idea to mm-hmm. be careful about picking up your dice to roll again. Right. So, because the GM might have a lot of questions, and that die roll, that die roll can tell you a lot. So, uh, it's worth keeping in mind that that lovely little golden rule that I need to enforce around my age games more often. Um, and this one can definitely help. Uh, read up on your stunts. Uh, when those stun points come up, it's one of the, it's, I hear this all the time that, uh, especially with new players, that stunt point paralysis is a thing. Right. When those players roll up five, six, or at later levels like seven or eight stunt points, then they, their eyes glaze a little bit, and they have to go into let's see, and they go into crisis mode, looking at like a set of thirty-nine stunts and trying to pick out a good set of them. What I like to do is, <clears throat> um, before the game, like after session zero, mm-hmm. but before you play. Go through the stunt list and pick out two or three that you really like. That you're, are like your go-tos. Mm-hmm. Like, I like um, the skirmish one. Every time I get a one, that's what I'm going to do. Every time I get it, or a two, you know, I'm going to skirmish twice. Mm-hmm. Um, pick like three, four that you really like that you want to do all the time. And that can narrow it down a little bit. Then mm-hmm. you don't have to sit there and say, oh my God, there's 39 stunts. What am I going to do? Right. Um, and I, 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 I usually like to tell folks to consider the stay aware stunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one only costs one That's stunt point. One. It's a solid stunt because it's, you know, mm-hmm. you make a target number 11 perception test and the GM tells you a little extra information. And if there's no information for you to know, then you get a plus one on your next test. It's just it's a nice and solid little go-to for if you got one stun point left over, um, mm-hmm. or if you maybe if your player your character has some favorite stunts. If they're a talker, you can put down that maybe they'll really like uh, Bonmont, uh, or maybe they like Jest, or like and another thing. Combative PCs might want to put down things like Threaten or Lightning Attack or Mighty Blow, uh, or somebody who wants to always be prepared might. Uh, appreciate putting down things like resources at hand so they can always make sure they've got focuses on their roles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, little things like that. And you kind of already touched on this, Leona. Yeah. Um, <coughs> if the GM has a copy of the GM's kit, they probably have some handouts that can they can that they can hand out. And I I love having handouts for the stunt with the stunt rule with the stunt yeah. list on them. You can actually, you can probably, if you look around online, you can even find them and print them out mm-hmm. if you don't have the actual handouts, like the cards that came with the GM kit. Not an option for everybody to have the GM kit, so right. it's definitely a much more accessible option for folks to have a printer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also worth remembering that the stunt tables vary a bit between age games. Yes. Uh, Fantasy Age, Dragon Age, and Blue Rose have mostly the same stunt tables, but if you go from those to Modern Age, you're going to want to read up on the new tables and adjustments to the old favorites, because 
Modern Age has a lot of stunts now. Like, right. and, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and if you go looking around online, you'll actually find, like, weapon-specific stunt tables that people have made. Yeah. That, I mean, that's maybe not for, like, your first-level characters, but once you get going a little bit, maybe you want to introduce them into the game. There's a whole host of other stunts you can use that are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Of course, with your GM's permission, naturally. With GM's permission, mm-hmm. obviously. But you, should, you know, we got a couple of those in the Distant Verses before, and mm-hmm. you can find them in our resources for your game page. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. I think I kept the coughing to a minimum. Uh, you did very well. Thank you. Uh, Leona, is there anything else you'd like to add before we start to close out? No, I think we've played this one out. <laughs> Kept this conversation very PC. Very PC. I can't I take, can't take credit for that one entirely. Jessica actually did manage to share that one with me before, but she wasn't sure if she thought it was she wasn't sure if it was good enough. It was good enough. I will be sure to tell her that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Alona. Alona, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, if you like what we do out there, please consider supporting us on our Patreon. If you support us at only three bucks a month, you can vote on our Patreon-only poll, which is worth twice as many votes as the other polls. If you support us with $5 per month, you get to hear the episodes a week early on Patreon. Uh, we are, especially as we start moving into our other projects, we're considering some new tiers that folks can go into for some new extra little goodies, and so stay tuned for that. Anything, of course, that you can contribute, even if it's just a dollar, is absolutely appreciated. You can find a link to our Patreon on our blog and in the post for the show. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on our social media. Feel free to leave a comment or a question, or even tell us how your Dragon Age games are going, because we love hearing about Dragon Age games. Love it. Uh, Feel free to comment on our show on SoundCloud. If you can, please leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. It really helps us out. So, thank you all for listening to the One is a Fetus podcast. This is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Leona. May the creators guide you on your way. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.